Hi again, everybody, and welcome in to the Black and Blue Report podcast series presented by SeatGeek. I'm Sean Kelly. Greetings from Studio B on Airline Drive at the Osher Sports Performance Center. And like all of our Wednesday visits, I'm excited to bring you another kind of long-form deep dive with a great guest. And that's certainly the case here this week as we welcome in newly minted Saints Hall of Famer Michael A. Bear. Well, he'll actually be inducted this fall, but he is amongst those who will go in to the 2018 Saints Hall of Fame class. Since 1997, Michael Abair has told the story of the New Orleans Saints as their director of photography. He's the photojournalist who has given us so many great images through the good seasons and the bad, and he brings such a world of experience to the New Orleans Saints. We couldn't help but want to get to know him and his story, especially with the new football season upon us. The former nationally awarded photojournalist Michael Abair has worked for Sports Illustrated, Inside Sports, Sport Magazine, the NFL, and of course, our own New Orleans Saints. What makes the story even more special is that he's a New Orleans guy. Archbishop Rumble High School, Tulane University, he's raised his family here too. So this week on the Black and Blue Report, we're proud to present Director of Photography and soon-to-be Saints Hall of Famer, Michael Abair. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Michael C. Aber, Saints Hall of Famer. You gotten used to that yet, Michael? No, that's just... To say I'm humbled, you know, I've spoke a lot about the recognition is something that's hard to put in words. Um, I'm humbled beyond belief. There's so many people I've worked with. This will be my 35th NFL season, 21 just here with the Saints itself. So, no, I don't think you get used to that. It's just for me, it's getting to recognize a lot of other people that I've met along the way. And I'm like, I got the best job in the building. I've been so blessed. It's unbelievable. Talk to guys like Jay Romick and others who have who have been honored as such. And the ones that are from this town get it more than anybody else, don't they? I think that's the big difference. Yeah. And, and, you know, I talked to Lance and Pierre about this because I'm close to both of those guys. As you know, I grew up in this area, not far from this facility on North Turnbull Drive. I played at Cleary Playground. I played at Metairie Middle School. I played at Archbishop Rummel and went to Tulane University. So for me, it's personal. 1967 was the first year of the New Orleans Saints, and I was seven years old. And my father used to take us to games and bring us to Tulane Stadium before games to get an autograph on a pennant or a game day program. And those things leave a a long-lasting impression. And, uh, you know, I try to share with the younger guys around here, when someone asks you for an autograph, it's special. It's important, and I'll tell you a real quick story. Uh, I was one of those young boys who used to cut out those pictures out of a game day program and hang them on the wall because I was going to play in the NFL. That's all I wanted to do. Uh, And there was a man who stopped. He was a player, and he signed my game day program. And, you know, you need to understand, for a player to stop and talk to you and your dad for three, four minutes, that doesn't happen too much anymore. Guys, you know, they're trying to get to everybody, so they sign quickly and move on. And 
This particular player literally talked to us for probably three or four minutes. And his name was Dickie Lyons, number 43 for the New Orleans Saints. If you go look at, he only played here a year. And yet it had such a lasting impression. I wore number 43 for years till I got to rumble and the number wasn't available and I changed to 45. But I tell the players, you don't realize what an impact you have. So for me, this is something that it is personal. My mom had a license plate on the front of her car that said, Archie is a saint. So I've worked with the Mannings for yep. years doing charity stuff. So you're right, Sean. Let me tell you, it is personal because I am from here, and it means so much. Speaking of personal, let's flip it. Let me put you on the other end of things here. You remember how much Dickie Lyons meant to you yes. because of those three or four minutes. When you snap a picture of one of these guys, it's almost the reverse. You're you're freezing them in a moment that they'll forever be grateful to you as well. It's almost a giant role reversal of what you were just describing, don't you think? It is, and you know what's ironic about that comment? Um, when we won the Super Bowl, um, there's so many things that go into photography of that because, let's face it, if you're lucky enough to be on the winning side, and I've done a lot of Super Bowls through the years, but never for my home team, one I was a part of. I'm rarely in the bench, but as the clock was winding down, I cut through the bench to get in position to shoot Coach Payton being lifted in the air. All the NFL coaches are lifted in the air mm -hmm. after a Super Bowl win. As I'm cutting through the bench, I see Pierre Thomas standing on our bench, and I see him getting ready to jump, and it's a couple of frames I shot where he is leaping into anybody but Lance Moore's arms because they're best friends. That picture was the cover of New Orleans Magazine. Can you believe I'm actually going into the Hall of Fame with Lance and Pierre? And they talked. we talked about those special pictures. There's a picture of Lance Moore on that two-point conversion in the Super Bowl that it's like a signature play. There's a picture of Pierre against the Falcons flipping. He is literally flipping over, looking directly at me. All of a sudden, when guys retire, it becomes bigger than life because those moments stand still. And that's why I got the best job. Because when we win, those things are bigger than life and they stand still. And yet, I've been through two 3-13 and 13 seasons no. and do the same thing. And yet, nobody looks at the imaging and say, oh, man, look at that picture. Because winning, when Sean Payton arrived here, everything changed. So the culture of winning has a lot to do with Pierre, Lance, and myself all receiving this honor, it's because of winning. And, you know, guys like you, I mean, I've known you a long time. I've, there's so many people. Yeah. Jay Romig told me the hardest thing is you can't thank everybody. There's not enough time. And yet I could go down the list for 30-something years of people that are special to me. And I just think in life we, we take so much for granted. And I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, yeah. but I think it's the right thing to do. Um, Lane Murdoch Sr. passed away this past week. And I've known Lane for over 30-something years. And his son, Lane Jr., works with us, with the Saints and the Pelicans. And uh, Lane was 60, and I lost my father at 60. And Lane was one of those guys, you know, always had a smile on his face. I know he appreciated life. He was so proud of his son working here. And yet he's gone. So for me, I just turned 58, and I still get to do this. And my dad died at 60. 
So for me, it's personal, and I don't take anything for granted. So yeah, when I got this phone call, man, let me tell you something. It was overwhelming because the thing I hadn't told you is I am the one who got to call Jonathan Vilma last year and tell him he was being inducted into wow, the Saints Hall of Fame. So I'm very close with Jonathan, and his excitement was over the top. And see, what people don't realize is these guys, you only see them in a uniform on Sunday, but you don't realize what goes into it. And what, you know, when I think I want to say that Lance and Pierre both, I think Lance has Curtis Johnson as his introduction selection. And I want to say Pierre's got a high school coach because that's what happens in this world. When I say Cleary Playground, man, I played for some great coaches at Metairie, at Rummel. I played for a coaching staff that was so far ahead of their times. They had us doing film study and scouting reports in the early 70s that that just wasn't going on in high school football. And that's helped me today. So well, you have to Lane, know the game. Lane Murdoch Sr. was a special guy, and I just my condolences go out to him and his family, and uh, he'll be missed. Our hearts are broken around here. You no know doubt. that. I'm glad you brought him up because it, it's interesting. Uh, the start of my NBA career, Lane's, Lane and I have known each other from that first day. So there's there's a small group of people that have been around still from, from that moment in time. Lane was one of them. Then I get to meet you when, when the Saints and the Pelicans join up. And I start working on the on the football side too. I'm going to say this, and I hope you know where I'm going with this. But I always marveled at what Lane and yourself are able to do, and I think in some ways it's because I grew up in the generation that still collected baseball cards and football cards. It was a huge part of our childhood. So the still photograph or that action shot. I used to it used to drive me nuts when I'd get a baseball or football card, and it was just a guy posing. I wanted the in-game, you know, linebacker, one foot off the ground, head turning, you know, arm getting ready to, to make a move. That, that was the football card I liked, or the baseball card that, that showed that pitcher coming over the top and you're getting an angle that you'd never get to see if you go to a Major League Baseball game. But that photographer was just left of home plate, saw the opening of the shoulder, and snapped the picture. So to me, that's a magical thing that you all do. Do you think in some way it's because – I grew up with those, with those things as a part of my childhood, and it translated. Or absolutely, okay. and, and and I could give you the list. That's not important. But Lane and I both worked for all those big trading cards. That's companies. why I bring this up. You shot so many of those pictures. Oh, and you know what? What's what's crazy for me is, I mean, I've photographed guys' uh, rookie cards that are now in the Pro Football Hall of Fame in wow. Canton. So, yeah, Lane and I had a long, long history working for some great, great companies and magazines that don't even exist today. And I think the other thing that's different that you bring up, Sean, is the fact that um, the still image was a big, big deal. Not that it's not today, but let's be honest, with everything that's changed in the industry of magazine, the trading card industry is nothing like it was even 15 years ago. Right. It was a big, big deal. And... Um, no, I have fond, fond memories of specific cards and players. And I guess for me, I would be reluctant not to mention the name Ricky Williams. When Ricky Williams came to the New Orleans Saints, I knew his head coach from Texas, from Tulane, Mac Brown, who was a wonderful person to work with. And uh, Mac told Ricky, basically, you know what? Michael will kind of look over you because Ricky had a social disorder and he was very shy. And yet Ricky was super articulate, super smart, a really good person. Well, 
Ricky didn't go to the New York photo shoots or symposiums or anything. I shot every single picture of Ricky. So every trading card, lunch kit photograph, poster, I did everything on Ricky Williams and became really close to him. Ricky actually took up photography, believe it or not. Did you shoot the picture, the bride picture? No, no, no. There's a long story behind that one. I was called about that and declined to do it. Okay. Because the problem was, I won't get into the details of names, <laughs> but one group had Coach Ditka believing Ricky wanted to do it, and Ricky's can't believe Coach wanted to do it. And the players all had a big bet as we got on a plane to go to training camp if I did it or not. And I, I, I refused to do it. Now, look, the guy who did it is class act, great photographer, did a great job. But for me, the difference of working for the team is a fine line on what images I let go to what projects. Because we've had some players, unfortunately, you know, things don't always go well. And I have declined to let my images be used because it would harm our team. See, Coach Payton... Trust me, because he knows I would never do anything to harm our team. I will never put a photograph out there to degrade a player, our organization. As a matter of fact, um, I don't know if you remember Saints Digest. Do you remember Saints yes. Digest? It was printed every week. Grid Week used to be printed, all these older. Anyway, at the time, uh, Ricky Zeller worked for Saints Digest when I arrived here. And, you know, we weren't real good at that time. And he was like, Michael, where's the picture of that fumble? Or where's the picture that uh, uh, opponent returning an interception for a touchdown? I said, no, no, I'm only going to make us look like we win every week. And at the beginning, it was a struggle. But truly, you know, even when we lose, my job is to make us look good and our players look good. You mentioned Coach Payton and his implicit trust in you. No, I don't look. It's unbelievable. It, it was earned, wasn't it? I mean, oh, that's not big, the way it was oh, big, day one, oh, was it? No way. Big time. What happened? What what clicked? Um. First of all, I've worked with some of the greatest coaches in NFL history when I worked for the NFL and the major magazines that I had the opportunity to be around those guys. And a lot of great guys in New Orleans, too. I could give you a long list of people. I, I think they need to figure out that you're a football guy and you get it. And real early on, Sean figured out that I was a football guy. I had a lot of history. And that I, my only interest was making our team look good. And I told him in the beginning, you don't need to tell me anything twice. You know, I didn't get to play in the NFL, but I'm one of those boys of fall. You know, if you saw the, the video he did with Kenny Chesney, Kenny Chesney have right. you ever seen that? Oh, yes. It's oh, yes. really special because when they talk about the smell of the grass, the locker room, wearing the jerseys on Friday, I'm one of those guys. I did it right down the block at Archbishop Rummel. Some of the greatest people I've ever been around in the Catholic League, not just at Rummel, but guys I competed against. Sure. So when you say, well, what happened? I think Sean figured out early on that I really did care about the players and making our team look good. But, you know, Sean is big into the history of the NFL. And Sean is so supportive of the Saints Hall of Fame. I mean, it's amazing how much he cares about it. And I think that's all part of it that, you know, oh, let me tell you, you do earn trust and you got to have thick skin because on game day, it's all about winning. It's a production business. And that goes from the head trainer to our equipment guys to our video people. We're all accountable and we all need to do things a certain way. And that's why we were all fortunate enough, the ones who were here to be part of that Super Bowl team. Yes. And to be part of getting game balls 
and to be part of something that, you know what, that didn't happen too much before Sean arrived. And as Sean would be the first to tell you, you know, right now, I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out, but you just go look at the coaching staff we got right now. I mean, it's unbelievable, man. We, we got outstanding coaches and we got outstanding personnel across the board and scouting, player personnel, management. I mean, we just really have a good setup. And yet, coach will tell you, you play them one at a time. And for me, I shoot practice the same way I shoot a game. You know, I had one coach tell me one day, he goes, I watch you. And it was the highest compliment I could ever have because as a young player, they always tell you, do the right thing when no one's looking. So for me personally, I try to work hard no matter what. Practice, preseason, regular season. And I think Sean knows that. Yeah. You know? And, and winning have, season and losing season. Yeah, and, yeah absolutely. Oh, sure. You know, even in your job. Oh. We talked about this. Yes. Equipment guys, trainer, video, all of your staff. We all work the same. And yet, you don't always win. But that doesn't mean the effort's not there. And yet, in our league, it's about winning. 1997, you say yes to the Saints. Mm -hmm. Did they have a director of photography before you? Was this the a only, new position? Yeah, the only director of photography, believe it or not, and he did video too, was Irby O'Quinn, was the only other director of photography. They only had a couple of team photographers in the history of the team. Mr. Irby was one of those kind of trendsetters early on where he did video and some stills. Stills wasn't the priority. But I'll tell you a quick story about Irby because he was legendary. Do you remember when they used to send the Polaroids down on the string? Sure. Mr. Irby's the one who started that. Really? Yep, he sure did. As a matter of fact, I reached out to his son, Albert, for our 50th anniversary, and I invited him to the Hall of Fame and to come to one of the games because of what his dad meant to our organization. Wow. If you go back and talk to Dan Simmons and Silky Powell, Jay Romig, Kevin Magnum, the guys who were here for the longest, um, they'll tell you, man, Irby was a character. He used to cook for the team on Fridays. That would never happen today. I mean, everything was different, you know, but Mr. Irby was the only other director of photography. And uh, Bill Kuharik and Greg Bensel are kind of the ones who kind of um, had this thing evolve, you know, for me when I came back. Okay. Why did you leave all those national publications and shooting the biggest events and Final Fours and all that oh, to take the job? It's a great question. And uh, the reality is Bill Kuharik one day sat down with me and he said, Michael, you have young kids, don't you? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, because at the time I was considering just working a handful of events, and that's what I did that first year. Um, they had a team photographer. I was doing some work in conjunction. That didn't work out. So then when they came to me with it. Bill really, after the fourth time, I told him I, w I really didn't want to do just New Orleans because I was working for all these big companies. And it, I had it made. I shot the best games and best players every weekend all across the country, college and pro. He goes, you know what? Um, on Friday nights when you get on a plane and you leave your family and you're gone and you're catching red, red eyes on a Sunday night, he goes, how'd you like to be home with your family on a Friday night and eat breakfast with your kids on Saturday morning? And that's what did it. You know, I owe a lot, to, I owe a lot to Bill. You know, Bill Kuharik's a football guy. He, his father was legendary with the Eagles. And I'll, I'll tell you a great Bill Kuharik story that when I see him, he always brings it up. And it means a lot to me. He called me out the clear blue one day. He goes, man, 
<clears throat> my wife wants to know if you would go photograph the girls. He had two girls at the time. Uh, go photograph them for a Christmas card. So that's something I didn't do a lot of, but I also did commercial photography for big, big fashion companies and that sort of thing. So I told him, you know what, no problem. So I go over to his house. His wife let me in. Well, for the first hour, his daughter's put curlers in my hair, painted me, jumped on me, you name it. And Bill tells me every Christmas till this day, his grown daughters talk about that event when I showed up to take that picture. And they basically dressed me up. And But, you know, when I was at Archbishop Rummel, I was also a counselor for Coach Easton Roth. I worked at the school every summer as a day camp counselor. So I was around children, and I worked with the special kids, you know. So for me, I'm the oldest of five children. So it was just a natural. But, yeah, Bill Kuharik uh, is somebody that was, uh, you know, Bill and Greg, I'm, I'm grateful to. I want you to tell another story here, and I'm willing to bet my paycheck on that probably no one who listens to this podcast will know who Vernon Beaver is. Probably Some not. may. Some may, um, not many. But it's significant in your line of work. And for you personally. So we're about to introduce everyone to Vernon Beaver. Mr. Vernon Beaver <clears throat> is legendary. He is the only other still photographer that's that has been inducted into an NFL team's Hall of Fame. You're number two. And, and I can't even believe that. But Mr. Vernon and I became very good friends through the years. Um, his son, John, is one of the best football photographers of all time, worked for Sports Illustrated for many years, is retired, lives in California. And his son, Jim, took his spot as the Green Bay Packers photographer. So that's a very, very special family. But Mr. Vernon took all the legendary black and white pictures during the Lombardi era. But as, as famous as he is, as legendary as a photographer, um, as a person, he was the most professional, kind. I mean, he was just amazing to me. And him and I became really, really good friends through the years. And uh, I can't say enough about him. And, and really, photography secondary. But the reality is, um, before he passed away, he made a phone call to me and told me that I would be the second still photographer inducted into an NFL team's Hall of Fame. And that he wouldn't be around here to see it. But his sons would. And uh, both his son, Jim and John, have reached out. And uh, to say that's humbling is an understatement because I grew up with pictures of, I mean, Jerry Kramer was just inducted in Canton. I had pictures of him on my wall. I had those black and white pictures cut out of magazines that I had no idea who Mr. Vernon was at the time. But if you go talk to anyone around Green Bay, they all knew who Mr. Vernon is. One of my favorite things that ever happened, we were playing a preseason game in Green Bay, and they had just done a book on Mr. Vernon called The Glory of Title Town. And he meets me at the 50-yard line, and Coach Dick is out there and a bunch of coaches, and he says, Michael, I want to sign this for you. This is a gift to you. And Coach Dick was like, hey, where's mine? He goes, sorry, Coach, this is for Michael. Him and I met in some very odd circumstances. I went at an award ceremony in the probably mid to late 80s. And after, there were some NFL pictures in a display. And I was standing there, and I just, there was an older gentleman standing next to me. And I just pointed at the famous black and white ice bowl picture of Bart Starr scoring on the last play of the game. And I said, that's a real NFL picture. 
And his response was, it was really cold that day. <laughs> and I went with the coach and my son John shot that. And immediately I knew who he was. And I was like, Mr. Vernon? And he goes, yeah, Vernon Beaver. And uh, it was just so, so unbelievable. He took me to dinner that night and him and I became best of friends ever since. And had so much wisdom. He was such a class act on how he behaved and what he believed in. And his sons definitely took after him because that's, you know, how they behaved on the sidelines. And uh, their dad was special. And, they, you know, they know their dad was special to me. I have a photograph of him in my office on the bench that a good friend of mine, Alex Brandon, took of us holding the book, Glory of Titletown. That's how special he was. But, uh, you know, it was really neat when we won the Super Bowl. His son, John, was on assignment for Sports Illustrated for our first game against Minnesota the following year. And we did a big Super Bowl book, a pictorial. And I wrote a letter to Mr. Vernon with the book to go back to John. And um, he couldn't write anymore, but he had John handwrite a letter to me about mm -hmm. how proud he was and just some personal things. Uh, and that letter arrived three days after he passed away. I got back in the office and I was going through my mail and all of a sudden I see Vernon Beaver. And man, my heart just sunk. And I literally cried at the reception's desk. And a couple of coaches were there like, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. But that man was such a legendary individual to so many people that the photography was really kind of secondary. But, uh, yeah, Mr. Vernon's the guy. Any famous black and white Lombardi stuff you shot, he's the man. Special Speak person in my life. And now you share something truly unique to just the two of you, which I think is fantastic. No, it's amazing. Yeah. Speaking of iconic photos, I I hear from fans all the time. They love the pictures from the era gone by of a, a player sitting in a very human moment in full uniform smoking a cigarette or an old ball player having a post-game can of beer. Those moments really resonate with people because I think it attaches them even more so to that player as, as they're one of us or – I'm like him in that way. They're flawed. They're, they're, um, they're not something that's surreal. Can you think back, and this would obviously be pre-Saints era for you, can you think back to photographing one of those types of moments, kind of a more human moment or a that's a totally unexpected type image? Did you ever get to shoot one of those? Yes, but the truth of, you got to understand, those type of pictures were really captured back, I would say, probably in the 60s, 60s. and maybe early 70s. Maybe, but more 60s. More 60s. Yes. And, and when we talked about Irby O'Quinn, as I said, Irby used to cook for the team on Fridays. Yep. So those guys had jobs in the off-season. They were insurance salesmen, so cars, you know, ran businesses. It was just a different era back then. So, you know, whether it was smoking, drinking, hanging out as friends, I would tell you even in the media that guys who covered the team were closer to the players at that time because it was we didn't have 24-7, whether it was websites, podcasts, you know, constant um, TV. It was just different. So I think when you would see those still images that would come out in Sport Magazine once a week or inside Sports or right. Sports Illustrated, those are some of the things, the behind the scenes, you used to see those type of pictures. 
fast forward for me, one of the, you talked about trust with coach Peyton, right? One of the things that is the most special that I get to do is I get to shoot game ball presentations in the locker room and I'm the only one allowed in. And that's a special thing because for a player, it's, it's kind of funny that right now I get more phone calls from guys who have been out the league 10 or 15 years saying, oh, my God, by any chance do you still have that picture of me getting a game ball? But Sean Payton understands how important it is, and that's why he allows me in to do it. You can go on our website and see after a game some of the wonderful game ball presentations and the celebrations of big games as those images mean everything to me because it means so much to those guys. And I tell all of them, I hope it means as much to you as it does to me when you're sitting on the porch with your grandchild one day and you can show them, hey, I played for the Saints and I got a game ball this day and look at this picture. Those are the things that are special to me. But, you know, years ago we used to shoot more photography of like, Guys getting taped up or in a locker room in his locker. I got a picture I took. You ask about pictures that mm -hmm. are memorable? Yep. We were in Detroit. Coach Hazlitt was the head coach at the time. And um, Coach Hazlitt was a really, really good guy. You know, I mean, he went through a difficult time. The, that whole Katrina thing, I don't think any head coach could have done a better job than he did. Honestly, he was a football player. He understood everything. And he was really good to all of us. But... I was walking through the locker room, and he goes, look, look at this over here. Joe Horn laid out his uniform, his entire uniform on the floor in front of his locker. and I Every game. Yeah. yeah. So I photographed this picture of Joe's uniform laid out. And it, believe it or not, as a locker room picture, I have hundreds that I could tell you about. But that one was one that was very different because you didn't see that all the time. And yet there's another favorite picture I have of uh, – Will Smith was sitting down in his locker after a game, and Steve Gleason was our honorary captain, and Steve's hand is on the top of Will's head, just patting him on the head. And it's just one of those really innocent moments that, needless to say, Will Smith, not many people knew about Will Smith as a person. They only saw that hard-edged person on the field. But when we won the Super Bowl, Will Smith grabbed a hold of me and said, you're a world champion. Not, we won the Super Bowl. Michael, you're a world champion now. That's special. See, those type of players, and I can give you a long list of them, that's the culture Sean Payton brought to New Orleans, that if you're inside that locker room or you get on that game, that plane, headed out of town, it's a special thing. And, I mean, you, you get to witness this. It's, it's, you know, winning, uh, winning is a contagious thing. It really yes. is. So, you can't really describe it. Yeah, that it. <laughs> picture of Will and Steve, man, uh, just real, real special. I, I'll tell you about Steve Gleason, too. We were in Green Bay one year. I used to – I mean, I always go out on the field early. And all of a sudden, Steve comes out. He's got a half-shirt T-shirt, his game pants on, no socks, no shoes. He's walking around the end zone. I was like, Steve, what are you doing? He goes, I want to feel the grass. And anybody who knows Steve, that's Steve. But those are some of the little moments, man. I could give you hundreds and hundreds of them. But you also asked me about trust. Mm -hmm. um, certain people who are longtime Saints fans are going to remember the name Billy Joe Hobart. 
Billy Joe Hobart blew out his Achilles opening game in St. Louis. That particular game, uh, Dan Simmons and Silky Powell had all of our lockers. They were kind of like an alphabetical order. I just kind of got stuck next to Billy Joe Hobart. St. Louis had a huge locker room. After the game, I walk in, and Coach Ditka and Billy Joe Hobart are sitting in those two lockers, and they're embraced crying. And I walked up, and I put my cameras down, and I walked off. In midweek, Coach Ditka called me in his office, and he said, uh, shut the door. And I walked in, and I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. He goes, um, I got to tell you, he goes, someone in your line of work, when they walked up and saw what was going on after the game, would have taken pictures of that easily, and I understand it. He goes, but you put those cameras down. He goes, you really do get it. You're a football guy. And I think that's part of it. And um, I say that humbly is that that is my, I mean, I've photographed everything you can imagine commercially in sports, but football is number one for yeah. me. I got to play as a kid, and as a, as a kid at 58 today, I still get to do this, and it's amazing. Tell me about game day. How many pictures do you think you shoot on an average game day? Home games, it's a lot more because of the marketing responsibilities, Mr. Benson's guests before a game, all the different things around the stadium. Um, Action-wise, um, it just depends on the flow of the game. I mean, let's be honest, through those 3-13 and 13 seasons when you're not stopping anybody, I always have the Saints in front of me. Okay. Meaning I'm not shooting the other team's players. I'm not shooting the other team's offense driving down the field. So you can imagine us losing by 40, 50 points, giving up a lot of points. There's probably not as many pictures defensively as there are when we're doing well. Okay. You know, so. Has the fact that it's digital now changed the way you shoot a game as opposed to when you had to develop everything? Oh, God, look, I was the worst. Uh, I was an old, I used a handheld light meter, shot slide film, and I'm old school. Um, digital, I was the worst going into the digital era. As a matter of fact, some big sponsors told me that I had to start doing it or else. But at the time, digital had lag in the shutter release, meaning that we were in Buffalo. Ricky Williams hurdles a linebacker. I shoot the picture. Well, by the time the camera recorded it, he was on the ground already. And you can't shoot sports like that. Wow, no, you can't. You have to anticipate, but you can't. No, yeah. but the camera wasn't recording fast enough because it had a shutter lag. But I will tell you, the cameras I use now today, I use Nikon D5s. They're, they're the, I never dreamed in my lifetime I would see this. And I use Leica, Nikon. I've shot Canon through the years. They're all good equipment. But the digital product today, I never dreamed in my lifetime I would ever see the results out of it. It, it is superior. And here's the, good, the other thing. I used to get off of a team plane, head straight over to a lab. I would be in there all night just watching film being run before we could even look at anything. Wow. Now, as you see, after a game, you see me downloading images on the bus before yep. we go to the airport. And usually before the wheels go up on the plane, I probably have 300, 300 images selected that we send over to Doug Tatum's staff for our website that fans can go look at. So that is the difference, the speed of it, um, and the quality is really outstanding now. And, and really for low-light photography, you know, that's a whole nother story for another day. But, you know, we play inside. We play eight regular season, two preseason. We play in Atlanta. Those are all inside stadiums. Well, 
the real downfall of film photography was it was very grainy inside a dome because you know you had limited light and especially in the superdome and the mercedes superdome it's very top lit so when digital came along i think anybody in my world will tell you that digital has really made a huge difference for all of us yeah it's amazing you mentioned that building i can i can see a picture of any player college or pro without seeing anything else around them i know where they're playing because if they've got that light halo on that helmet, on that helmet I know exactly what building they were playing in. It's yeah, the only know, that, one. That's the other thing. When you talk about being from here as personal, um, you know, I had the opportunity when I played at Archbishop Rommel, we played in Tulane Stadium. I was on the team that played in the first Superdome game in the history of high school football in Louisiana. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... And I also worked for Tulane. I went to Tulane. You know, I worked for Coach Orange Barger at LSU with Brad Messina, who's an outstanding photographer, who's a teacher at Catholic now. But um, the Dome has been something special to me, too. That I mean, I can't even tell you. I mean, as a, I've played in it. I've worked in it. We've won an NFC championship. I also did Sugar Bowls for years with Barry Lawrence in there. That was yeah. real special. But not only have you played in it, because of what you do, you probably know every nuance of that building because of what you have to do as far as, like you said, the lighting, oh, every, the it's, air, the, it's amazing. the angles, all of it. I mean, I remember when we went to play East Jefferson, um, they literally brought us in and all we did was look around. I mean, we were like starstruck. This was like the biggest thing going and we actually... Uh, our playoff patch on our jackets that year have the dome on it. That's cool. No, that's, that's pretty cool. pretty neat, man. Um, is Drew Brees the athlete that you photograph more than anyone else? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I would say the answer would probably he's way up there. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up Drew Brees. Yeah. Forget football player. What a special person. From the day he arrived here, uh, I have a daughter who's a cancer survivor, mm -hmm. and uh, Drew and Brittany have been instrumental in doing things for families and children that, you know, some of the stuff you hear about, but a lot you don't. And uh, for me personally, I mean, from the day he arrived, I became friends with him and his wife, and Drew's a real special person. You know, everybody sees what he does on the field and what he's done for the city and the Saints, but... I think if you go talk to Coach Payton, he would tell you he's a better person than a football player. I think so. And people don't use that lightly. You know Not in mean? this business. Not in this business. No. And look, I could give you a list of people. We're just, you know, you're asking me a question about Drew. I'll address Drew. You know, Drew, let me just put it to you this way. When Coach Payton did the press conference for our induction for the Saints Hall of Fame with Lance Pierre and myself, did you see who was on the front row? Drew I knew Brees. it would be, yeah. Drew Brees, Miss Gail Benson, Dennis Lausha, Greg. B I mean, that's what this is. So, you know, you hear the term about family. Well, Drew's been around long enough that it really does mean something. I mean, you know what the other real cool thing for me in my job? I get to watch families grow up. I see his kids grow up. I photograph them as they grow up. Something that I get to do, I photograph the coaches with their families before the game begins during pregame. And those pictures to them are as important as anything besides winning. You know, we went, family and winning are right, A and A. Right. But, but those photographs through the years, I mean, it's amazing the phone calls and the letters and the discussions I have of 
coaches are like, man, I'm at a new place and they don't do that. And they know I do it because it's something that I feel is really important. And those coaches treat me fantastic. That doesn't happen everywhere. Let me just tell you this. The way Sean Payton trusts me, that doesn't happen across the NFL either everywhere. So I don't take one day for granted of how I'm treated. But there comes a big responsibility with that too, as you can imagine. And it's led to a Hall of Fame. Um, You mentioned family. I kind of buried the lead on this because I know how important your family is to you. So... I know we're late in our visit here, but I want to know about your family a little more. They've, oh, man. They've, um, oh, boy. They've, uh, they've been hand-in-hand hand with you oh, through God, this whole yes. process that we've just spent and Sean, probably close to an hour talking th- about. Th- this is the coolest thing for me is that my family gets to be recognized. I mean, you know, I'm humbled that, you know, I'm being put in the Saints Hall of Fame with Pierre and Lance, but all of the three of us talked about this, that – whether it's a high school coach or a family member, that now they get to participate too. And this just doesn't happen too often. I mean, you can dream about being with a winning team and you can dream about maybe getting in the playoffs. You can't dream about this Hall of Fame thing. You just can't. So for me, I'll start with my wife, Kim. Um, I made a comment during the original press conference that 2018 was going to be special no matter what for me. The Hall of Fame was like really just icing on the cake. Kim and I will be married 35 years at the end of this month. Way to go. She's the best person I ever met. She makes me better every day. She's amazing. One of those people that, you know, you hear the glass half full people. I never hear her say anything negative about anybody. She has so much respect. And obviously in my world, you know, traveling, working with the major magazines and the big corporations I work with, she had to do a lot with the children when they were younger. And um, that wasn't always easy. Uh, My daughter, Brittany, um, a lot of Saints fans know Brittany because uh, back in 2000, Brittany was diagnosed with cancer. And she was given less than 20% chance to live. She had stage four cancer, and she was treated here in New Orleans at Children's Hospital. But what people don't know today is, at the time, Fujifilm came to me, and they wanted to do a big museum showing of all my sports work, just mine. And I was like, I wasn't interested. I said, you know, if you put four or five guys together, I'll participate, but not just me. Mm Mm-hmm. So they kept harping on it, and they were a big sponsor of mine at the time. And they kind of pressured me, and they said, well, what charity would you want to you know, do something for? I said, Children's Hospital. Now, this is before Brittany got sick. So Children's is across from Tulane University. And one of my fondest memories of going to Children's Hospital, I don't know if you remember a basketball coach from Tulane named Perry Clark. Sure do. Coach Clark and I arrived one day at Children's, and when we got to the door, Coach Clark told me, he goes, Michael, look, when we walk through the door today, we're going to make these people smile. We're not, we, we can't solve all the issues today. That's what God does. But you and I have the ability to give them some pictures, make them smile. That's what we're going to do. And, boy, I never forgot that. And every time I went there, it was special because of that. So fast forward I agreed to do the showing with Fuji, and it it was here in New Orleans at Rivertown with part of the Saints Hall of Fame. Well, Jim Henderson was the one doing some of the promotions with WWL, and we, they were going to do a TV spot. And Jim told me, you know, can we go over 
to the Hall of Fame and do this photo shoot. I know it's a bad time for you. Brittany was playing all-star basketball. She was 12 years old when she was diagnosed with cancer and really given no chance to make it. And Jim knew that. And uh, Jim met me in Rivertown. And at the very end, he asked me, can we talk about Brittany? I said, well, I don't know if I can get through this, but I'll try. Jim Henderson cried my arms that day. What a special man. I mean, I'm getting emotional just thinking about that because they're not, you don't get to see that side. So when I talk about the people in this business, Jim's one of those golden jewels of an individual. Forget about what he did on TV and radio. Anyway, he ran the piece we did on Brittany on TV over and over again. Do you know every day I walk into the Superdome, fans ask me, how's Brittany doing? We prayed for Brittany. So I'm thrilled to tell you, Brittany turned 30 last February. She's my miracle child. And uh, man, there's not a day when I show up to work with those people at children's or a family or a friend. Um, I live with the miracle, so it's real special for me. And yet, um, it doesn't always work out that way, as you know. I mean, there are a lot of mm -hmm. children that aren't as fortunate. So for me, you know, Brittany is just always going to be, Brittany is a diehard Saints fan, by the way. Let me tell you something. Nobody's a bigger Saints fan than Brittany. But uh, Brittany went in remission. The rest is history. She attended Mount Carmel. And she was a senior when Katrina hit, so that was a whole other mess she went through. But wasn't the worst thing we ever went through. And yet... She, you know, she went to LSU, she went on to LSU, and then my son Brad was six years younger than his sister, and Brad was in the shadow of his sister for a long, long time, because you got to realize, Brittany was on television, Brittany was the uh, poster child for Children's Hospital with Leroy Glover. You want to talk about a difficult photo shoot for uh, me? That one was brutal. I was going to ask you if you actually took the Oh, I did. Okay. Yeah, I actually did it, and uh, boy, that one, that was tough, man, and Leroy Glover, you know, once again, I... I could talk about so many players, but he's another guy who still works in the National Football League that every time he sees me, asks me about Brittany. You remember Sam Mills? Mm -hmm. When Sam Mills was going through chemotherapy, Sam and I became really good friends because I was a USFL photographer, believe it or not, in the early 80s. Sam played in Philadelphia and taught history and photography in New York before playing in the USFL. I happened to do some photo shoots with him, and him and I just became really good friends. As a matter of fact, Sam called me the day before my son Brad was born. I really need you to come. And I, I wasn't working for the Saints. I worked for the magazines in the league. I need you to come take a family picture with me and my boys. We're going to wear jerseys. I was like, Sam, I'd love to come out there, but my wife's having a baby tomorrow. It'll only take a few minutes. He did not say oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But oh. he trusted me. I love Sam Mills, but... Sam's one of those guys like Lane Murdoch Sr. gone way too soon yeah. by a dreaded disease. And yet it's personal to me because my daughter is a survivor of that. And getting back to my son, Brad, you know, if people think that uh, he, he would be embarrassed to hear this, but to say I'm proud of him is an understatement. The best thing about Brad is how humble he is, how caring he is. He used to pray at his sister's hospital bed, and he never was bitter when Brittany would walk in a restaurant with us and everything was about her all the time. Um, I'm most proud because he's a humble, great, great young man, but Brad also graduated from Wharton Business School, and he was captain of a cross-country state championship team. He's got skins on the wall, but he's a great person.
And him and his sister are inseparable. And that all starts with their mom, Kim. So, I, Sean, I can't thank you enough for letting me talk about them because, honestly, without people like you, the folks I work with in the building, my family, Coach Joe Vitt wrote on the board in our locker room, basically the, the scenario is, you win today, you walk together forever. And it's in our Super Bowl book. I photographed it because it was that big of an impact for us. And the reality is, it's easy to point at that, but that doesn't happen often in this league. Guys don't get that opportunity, and there's great teams. I, look, I played on some great teams and never won a state championship, but there's a bond. So it's not just about the Super Bowl's the ultimate goal, right? but it's the people you work with and meet along the way that you truly walk with forever. You've been, you, you were part of our 50th anniversary, Yes. Did you see guys get together that hadn't seen each other in 10, 15, 20 years? They acted like the ne they were just together well, five minutes ago. That's the thing. They, and just, that's what's they so just pick up where they left off. That's just. We had the 1967, yes. all living members attended. We had just done the big renovation at the Saints Hall of Fame in, in the Mercedes Benz Superdome. They were our guests that morning. And they sat on the old two-lane bleachers watching their highlight reel. You want to talk about special? Oh. Man, you want to talk about why the Saints Hall of Fame is special? It's for that. It's that legacy of the guys who, you know what, I remember those guys like it was yesterday, just like you do. When you talk about the trading cards, right, oh, right. man, how awesome was that? It was just, you know. I mean, it's a special thing. And now I feel almost sorry for the younger generation because they don't have that like we did. I mean, everything's on a tablet or an iPhone or an Android, whatever it is. I, I tease my own kids. I'm like, y'all need to start printing some of this stuff. Because in 25, 30 years, what are you going to have to show someone? Oh, And well, that's that's a story for another day, yeah. too, when you asked about the digital world. But uh, I appreciate you bringing up my family because that's the real special thing. Yeah, it is. So it many is. coaches, players, trainers, equipment guys, they they all become your family, as you know. As you as an individual who have children and you're a dad, there's a lot of sacrifice that goes in what you do, Sean. And yet you spend more time here with all of us than you do with them. At times. You know? At times, yeah. I mean, during the regular season, sure. especially when football and basketball collide well, that's you. A, And yeah. I've lived that, too. <laughs> you have. Man, that's, that's a tough, yes. tough thing. Um, when you're not with the Saints, you're doing what these days? Well, I actually work in a whole other industry. I work in the polymer science industry. And the reason I've been able to do both is for years when I worked for the major magazines and the corporations, most of my work was all, the sports work was on the weekends. Mm -hmm. So I'm fortunate. I went to Tulane. I have a business degree, and I'm able to do both things, which is an odd, odd deal. It really is. But... You know, it's pretty easy to find me on a Sunday. Everybody knows where I'm at. Yep. Uh, you know, it's 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 easy to distinguish my schedule. So, and I still do commercial work too, but right. not as much as I used to. No, you're still though in a position to have, as you mentioned to your wife Kim, a pretty good year. Oh, it's and and I'm thinking to myself here, how cool would it be to get yourself another one of those rings? Oh. In the Damn. same year you go into the Saints Hall of Fame. Can I tell you a quick, Mr. Benson? Story? Got it. Let's, we'll, got to, we'll, we'll end on that. Yeah, yep. it, it's awesome. First, you know, the other thing is, um, you know, 
my parents are both in heaven now. And boy, I know they'd be proud because they were big sports fans. They took me to games when it was hard to afford. I mean, you know, you say, well, it didn't cost as much money. But back in the 60s, you know, I'm the oldest of five children. So we would take turns going to games. I mean, I sat in Tulane Stadium in the end zone when Archie Manning beat the Rams and Cowboys. Those are special moments to me, to say the least. So my parents, man, I mean, they're the background of all this. When you send kids to private school, it costs a lot of money. Oh, yes. There's a lot of sacrifice. So both my parents, man, I can't even imagine what they would be thinking today. So fast forward ring night. We win the Super Bowl, and Mr. Benson, you know, I would work with him with the book projects and different things we were going to do as a team leading up to Super Bowl ring night. And when I worked for the league office, I had the opportunity to photograph those events and photograph Super Bowls, but it's a whole nother thing to be a part of it on the inside. So Mr. Benson tells me one day, he goes, listen, we're going to have the Marines hand out rings table by table. We're not just going to hand them all out at one time. That's how we're going to do it. Everybody's picture's going up, and we'll talk about each person. I said, wow, that's really special. He goes, and you're sitting down at a table with everyone else. I said, oh, there's no way. He goes, what do you mean? I said, we're bringing the trophies, and I'm going to photograph everybody with their wives, significant other, whatever. This is a big, besides getting married and having kids, this is one of the biggest things that can happen to you if you work in the National Football League. I promise you. Nope, I'm not changing my mind. You're sitting down and you're going to do this. So this went on for a good two or three months. And every time I'd walk in his office, towards the end, he's like, I hope you're not here to talk about ring night again. <laughs> so a week before ring night, I walked in and he literally told me, Michael, if you're here to talk about this, just turn around. I said, just hear me out one more time. I said, man, do you know how many years Kim has sacrificed raising the children when I was gone? And what are you, you know, she's been around here enough. You know, she's the best. He goes, absolutely. I said, let's let Kim receive that Super Bowl ring. And I am going to work because it's going to be part of our Super Bowl book, people getting their rings. And I'm going to do pictures of everybody with the trophies. And I promise you it'll be worth it. And he stood up behind his desk and he smiled. He goes, I never thought I'd say this, but I love that idea. So for me, besides sharing this Saints Hall of Fame situation that's come up being inducted which you can't dream for me to be able to have my wife sit down and receive that super bowl ring will always be one of the special moments in my life and i hope everybody who works for the saints today gets to experience that again sean it's really cool i don't know if we could top that let's end there uh we could probably do hours more and maybe we will um thank you for having me man i can't i can't tell you how humbled i am and you know Lance and Pierre are like two of the best guys you could ever imagine as teammates, friends, really just core good people. And uh, I, I can't even believe I'm getting to share this with them, too. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Pretty darn good class going in this fall. Um, have you thought about the day yet? Or you want to put know that what? off just a little I, bit? I got to be honest with you. You know, I, I photograph it. I've been a part of it for a long time. I've been part of the Saints Hall of Fame for many, many, many years because the Saints Hall of Fame used to buy my photography through NFL properties. And yet Aaron Broussard, who started the Saints Hall of Fame and Kenny Trahan came to me and said, would you be willing to donate your work and support us as the Hall of Fame because you're a local kid here? 
And uh, I've been involved with the Hall of Fame for, for a long, long time. But what's strange about it is this particular honor is one that is not a Saints Hall of Fame thing. There's a media selection committee that votes on this. So you go look at the names on that committee. Those are the people that, you know, when I opened up my comment in the press conference saying thanks to the media selection committee. Yep. I mean, I'm only the second NFL photographer, and I say this, I keep using the word humble because I can't believe it. Mr. Vernon Beaver, legendary Green Bay Packer, and now New Orleans Saints recognize someone. That's pretty good company, Green Bay Packers. Yep. So Michael Bear, Hall of Famer. Thank Appreciate you. it very much. Thank you. We'll see you at the game. We'll be there. All right.